There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cuttings with Matrix on February the 5th, 2010. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the main website. Look down the front page, bookmark all the other sites you'll see there for future use because if you bookmark them and then big ones go down, you can always download the latest shows by having these all listed. And remember, these are the only official sites that I have and that I'm in control of. There's Alan Watt, uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, .net, .us, uh, .ca. There's also Alan Watts, sentient, sentinel.eu. That's a European site. Has the audios for download, but, but it's got the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. And you can choose from the various languages of Europe. And it's also cutting through, as I said, jankness.com. Can't forget that one because it's very dependable. And if you find you're getting stickiness on download, it's because everyone's gone into the, the Matrix.com site at once. So you can try these other ones. You may get through much easier. Uh, this is the, the minute for the shaking of the tin can. The tin can is where you throw your pennies in because I'm probably the only person out there who doesn't take money directly from agencies, uh, advertisers, companies, and so on. Uh, so it's up to you to keep me going. And you can do so by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, uh, see what I have for sale. I, I would be churning out books if I had more time, but I don't have as much time. And um, you can also donate to me as well. Now, U.S. can send personal checks to Canada, they can send international postal money orders from the post office to Canada. If you don't want to use the bank, just buy it, the international postal money order at the post office and send that. Uh, you can use MoneyGram and you can use Western Union as well. And some people just send cash. That cuts out a lot of podgy fingers with men in very expensive suits. Outside the Americas, same deal. You can use PayPal. You can also use PayPal for ordering. Just see the PayPal button on my website and send off the cash and send a separate email as to what you want for your order. And I'll get it out to you. Uh, the ads you hear on this show are paid by the advertisers straight to RBN. I've got nothing to do with them. And that pays for this airtime. It pays RBN for its broadcast, pays their staff and their bills and their technicians and all the rest of it. So it's up to you to keep me going. And as I say, I get a free hand, basically, to, to go into other areas and answer questions, but more truthfully, about certain things where I couldn't do so if I was getting backed by certain corporations or, or, or sellers. Uh, for those who get the disc burned and passed to them to play on their CD players because they don't have computers, they don't want computers, you can get in touch with me 
by writing to Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P, as in Peter, 3, E, as in Elizabeth, 4, N, as in Nora, 1, P3E, 4N1. And that's what covered the usual base. I, usually, I run through this quickly where most folk would be pushing it every 10 minutes throughout the show because, as I say, I need the money to keep going on this particular show. Uh, I'd like to get another form of uh, getting the, the stuff all up to my sites because I go through ExploreNet. ExploreNet has deliberately and have told me so that they've cut me back by two-thirds speed. And uh, that's because I've been told to get at me. The music's coming in, so we'll be back after these messages. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the Matrix. The Matrix is an interesting concept because basically it's, it's where everything comes from, if you like. Your whole reality with all of its sources that gives you and reinforces that reality. It updates you all the time in reality and keeps you absolutely ignorant of the fact that your opinions are given to you and you're given new opinions all the time to suit the particular month or the year in which uh, the big boys are manipulating events. We simply adapt. We're very good at adapting into anything, really. If you take the the peasant of the Middle Ages, the serf who was on the land, uh, he was bought and sold with the land. And if he was a third, fourth, fifth generation serf, he'd think that was all quite natural. He didn't know any better. He hadn't heard any, any term that was given much, much later on about democracy or uh, social injustice or anything. He'd have occasional rebellion, and it was a, a rebellion always against being, being taxed more through the food they were growing, so much so that their own food for their, their families were being taken from them for some war effort or the king's wars or whatever. That's when they'd revolt. And all they asked, really, was to go back to the way things were. Uh, That's what they demanded. That's the only thing they could think of. They didn't know there could be any other way of living. Everybody was taught uh, a very basic uh, uh, line. It was still used right up into the 20th century in Britain, for instance, and that was mind your place. Mind your place. And mind most folk did. But we don't realize that culture is given to us. It's shaped constantly. What's right in one era can be totally wrong the next and vice versa upside down. We're very, very plastic as a species, and those who control and rule know that too. Uh, Quite a few years ago, there was a a KGB defector who came over to the West who specialized in psychological warfare, and he is up on YouTube. I mentioned it about a year ago and gave the link. I don't know if that link's still working, but his name was Yuri uh, Alexandrovich uh, Bezmanov. Bezmanov. And he gives a four-part talk in an interview style. He's a four-part talk on how you take down a country. And what's really interesting is that he goes through the ideological subversion that started in the U.S., especially in Western countries, around the same time, about the late 50s, early 60s. Now, when I'm talking about this particular um, subversion method, 
think back to another article I read recently where uh, the, the Pentagon and the big boys up with Obama were using academia, certain guys in academia who specialize in subversion to infiltrate what they thought were radical groups or patriot-type groups and basically uh, alter their ideology, destroy their ideology from within, make them unsure of it until they, they had nothing to, to hold on to fight for. That's a very important part. When everything that you, you held as a belief is taken from you and you're not sure anymore, uh, then you've been conquered. So the first step to take it down a nation, as this man Yuri said, was ideological subversion. And that was done. That was completed in the 1980s in the Western countries. And um, you had demoralization. And that also came in with, with the, the ideological subversion, followed by demoralization. That was already complete, too. Then you have destabilization through upheavals in monetary systems, unemployment, all that kind of stuff. You create crisis, and then you bring in a new government, which is actually Soviet or communist, without using the, name, the term communist. And then you bring in a, a period of normalization. And normalization generally means you're under a totalitarian, strict, military-type, police-style rule. Uh, if you think for, for a minute that you're, you haven't already gone through all these stages into a form of world, remember communism must be a world system, you, you've missed it all. You, you've lived through it and you didn't know it because part of it was to totally degrade all society on the way down. And you do that by attacking all the things that keep society together as a cohesive unit for survival purposes. What keeps people together? What are they willing to fight for? And it goes all the way down to the family unit. Break up the family unit. Promote incredible promiscuity. That they'll not bond. And then the state has everyone under their thumb. They can talk directly down to you. Yes, you, 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 just you. No one else is going, is going to stand up for you. That's what they showed you in George Orwell's 1984. But it's, it's interesting to say that, that the Sunstein was a guy who was chosen to, he, to head the teams to subvert the, the patriot movements by the same tactics, make them unsure, this ideological subversion, make them unsure of their cause, and that cause is, is followed by demoralization. Uh, so this technique, the Soviet system, is still being used by those at the top because you'll find, if you were to go into all the big boys behind Obama and so on, uh, they were basically communists. And that's just a fact. But the thing is, you see, the Western world has gone that way without knowing it. They were subverted a long time ago. And academia still uh, pushes uh, the Soviet globalist system. Remember, we're supposed to blend in uh, in the dialectic with the Soviet system. That's why the wall supposedly came down to blend in the system worldwide now. It was time for the next move, and they merged with the capitalist system of the West. You'll find the top Soviet people uh, who were uh, and are still in the West work in universities, they're professors. Very, very important point I just made there. And certain countries are absolutely more full of them than others, like Canada, for instance. But it's still taught in the U.S. And you'll find they're very good at radicalizing students. Students have nothing in their head except what they're given, uh, even though you can't tell them that because their ego is out of control at that age. Uh, but uh, they're given their causes. And now it's all international causes, if you notice. 
has been like that for a long time because it's the next step is internationalism. And that's why destruction of the nation-state was imperative. Uh, Canada, uh, through the CBC, that's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation that is uh, our version of the BBC as government-run and funded, you wouldn't believe the basic, very primitive, communist-style plays and uh, made-for-TV movies that they create. It's astonishing. It's done in the most crudest, straightforward fashion with the enemy blatantly portrayed as a redneck who believes in his country. There was one on last night. I saw five minutes of it with my little rabbit ears up here on the television set. And it was about a woman running for politics in British Columbia, I think it was. As I say, I watched five minutes of it to get the gist, and that's all I needed. And um, the votes came in, and she lost. And then she, she said it was the ethnic votes in Vancouver who stopped this from happening. And she said that ethnic vote was, they didn't, they went against her because she wasn't interested in the countries they came from. In other words, all politics now are supposed to be global. You see, you can't just go for your own country. And this woman was portrayed as a real nasty, obvious, uh, um, um, a dinosaur from the past somewhere. We're already communist, and we just don't know it. Socialist is another term for it as well. And the big boys that run uh, the Western world really are the Fabian socialists that work and are part of the Royal Institute for International Affairs-Council on Foreign Relations. It's all actually happened. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, I mentioned the Soviet story, a great uh, documentary. Uh, it was put out... Um, just about a year ago, I think so, and I put up the link for that too, but I don't know if it's still up there on the YouTube or if it's been pulled. I heard there was tremendous furor within Russia by high-powered people. Some of them now are members of the European Parliament for Europe, and they demanded that it get pulled down. And uh, here's an article about it in the newspaper. It's the first time I've seen a, uh, in a newspaper mention it, in fact, and it's by Peter Worthington of the Toronto Sun. Uh, 3rd of February 2010 and he goes on to say here that uh, those who are concerned that one's history is distorted it often never gets corrected can breathe easier after a startlingly accurate documentary was premiered this past Sunday at the Ukrainian Cultural Centre in Toronto even so the Soviet story made two years ago and shown mostly in the Baltic states and Europe has resulted in angry protests in communist quarters. Communism is alive and well for those who... You are in communist countries now. We really are. And, of course, the communists are shouting it's fascist, but it's actually communist. If it was fascist, your country would be only concerned about your own country right now. But you'll notice we're going... How can we be fascist when we're going totally global at at a galloping pace? The doc, this article goes on to say, the documentary's young writer and director, Edwin Snorres, a Latvian, has been hanged in effigy and denounced as a liar by some in the European Parliament. These are these Soviet boys that are there now. One Russian historian publicly regretted having taken part in the film, a film in which he did not take part. <laughs> I guess that was for publicity for him. Such is the outrage. The economist urged those who want to ban it should try refuting it first. Worthing goes on to say, I've seen the film that premiered in the U.S. six months ago, 
and put bluntly, it cannot be refuted. Rejected may be offensive to some sensitivities, perhaps horrifying, undoubtedly painful, without doubt, but refuted, impossible. The core theme is the Soviet Union under Joseph Stalin, who was, who was, he was actually mentor to Hitler, and that's a fact. Hitler and his boys during the Stalin-Soviet pact went to them to find out how to, how to take over the country, how to eradicate all opposition, and how to eliminate mass amounts of people, because the Soviet system were the experts already at that. So it says Stalin was the, the mentor to Hitler and the Nazis. That's in the movie. You see them collaborating together, too. Until Hitler turned on his ally, Stalin and the USSR were Hitler's partners in war with a treaty to divide Europe once a pesky problem of defeating Britain had been solved. Most people do not realize or have forgotten or never knew how closely Nazi propaganda... And I'll be back with more on this story, actually. It's an excellent article after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article from the Toronto Sun uh, that's six months a bit late in, in publishing this kind of stuff because I mentioned it last year and gave the links when the, this actual documentary was up on YouTube or somewhere. But it says here, most people do not realize or have forgotten or never knew how closely Nazi propaganda emulated Soviet propaganda. And you see the posters, I'll show you them all in it, how they're identical posters. Similar images of muscular men in posters, smelling young women, all working for the improvement of mankind by eliminating human trash like Jews, Serbs, Gypsies, and even Scotsmen. Why Scotsmen? Well, look at the list that, came, that was put out first by the Fabian Society, and they had Scotsmen on it too. H.G. Wells was a lovely character. The genesis for, and the reason they had them on is because they kept rebelling. They, they didn't like, um, they were allergic to slavery. Uh, the genesis for genocide to rid the world of the weaker unwanted originated with Karl Marx, who around 1849 wrote, killing is justified, especially if it cleanses society. That's a core belief in Marxism, by the way. And uh, I could go on about Marxism, including some of the people who were, uh, have, running a lot of this stuff and putting information out that people pick up and repeat on Patriot Radio. Anyway, Lenin agreed, Stalin expanded the creed, and Hitler copied it. In the early days of the Second World War, Jews who fled Germany to the USSR were rounded up by the NKVD and turned over to the Nazis. Where Hitler and Stalin differed in building a pure society and better human beings was Hitler's digression from Stalin's formula of class warfare and introduced racial cleansing. This is a substitute for the, basically the same thing, in a sense, when you understand there is a class system of groups that actually run the economy. Hitler watched with envy how the NKVD eliminated 7 million Ukrainians, and that was all the, the peasant farmers and so on, by imposing the world's first man-made famine on Ukraine in 1932 to 1933, confiscating all food and making record sales of Ukrainian grain to Europe. They were self-exporting the stuff, and you'll see them going round the little farms here uh, and taking out the, the, what was left for the peasants to eat themselves. It was a deliberate planned starvation process, 
with the benefits of making a money too by exporting it abroad, but not for the farmers. The world paid no attention. The few journalists who did, such as Malcolm Muggeridge, were ignored. The New York Times correspondent in Moscow, Walter Durante, won a Pulitzer Prize for dodging the famine. And, it, and they did. They, they, they knew what was going on, but they're all communists, these characters. And uh, they were saying that it was a great experiment in Russia. It was very successful. And they would not criticize it, including they wouldn't criticize the slaughtering they were doing. It wasn't until uh, Germany and Moscow became enemies that these same people, uh, to save Russia, started to talk about how bad the Germans were. The film footage is ghastly but persuasive. Mountains of skeletal starved bodies are bulldozed into mass graves. This is for, for years, this went on, years and years. Vivid photos of, of victims shot in the head and tumbled into mass graves. There is Kachin Forest, where 20,000 Polish reservists, they were all officers, by the way, were shot because that was another thing Marxism believes. You always get the, the, the people who can teach or lead the rest and kill them. And it says here, some buried alive in mass graves, and our side pretended that the Germans did it. Yep, that's true. The world remembers the horrors of the Nazi death camps, but we hunger to forget, if we can, the 20-plus million who died in the Soviet gulag at the whim of our wartime ally, Uncle Joe. Twenty million folk were slaughtered and starved to death in the gulag's prison camps alone. Among Edwin Snorri's interviews are aging women who recall the famine, the massacre of their families, the gulag, painful but essential to record. With younger generations reluctant to believe history, it's important there be a source of unvarnished truth. The movie can be bought at sovietstory.com. I'll put that up on my site too, uh, sovietstory.com. It's well worth it. I'm not kidding you. And uh, When you get these um, incredible fundamental Marxist professors in your universities uh, prattling on about the, great, uh, the greatness of a Marxist regime which is coming into view as far as you can see, then you can get them to see the Soviet story. It's, uh, it's, it's so important, as I say, so important. Part of that thing that uh, Yuri uh, Besmanov was talking about, the, the KGB defector, was, it says, towards the end, once you've demoralized, destabilized, de-idealized the society and brought it down, and again, he meant also through all techniques, but primarily through the culture industry, uh, then all those who had, had promoted communism, and we're thinking they're on a roll, when after the crisis came in, it's financial crisis, all the other stuff, that's why top uh, communists go into economics, and they teach in universities, um, they will become enemies of the new regime because they literally think they were fighting for these particular liberations and freedoms. They don't realize the new system is more totalitarian than the one you had before. Well, just look at what's happening now, all you communists out there. Look what's happening now. We're losing our freedoms at an incredible rate, absolutely incredible rate. And you have to see who is in charge of your governments and all the people behind them. The blending of the two systems, believe you me, has happened. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. As I say, it's interesting to go over the techniques used to take down countries. And it's from within, always from within. And there are real hardline Marxists still around because it didn't die off. It was supposed to blend, remember, with the systems of the West, according to the Rees Commission. Uh, and Norman Dodds was sent out by the Congress to investigate the private foundations, these multi-trillion foundations that fund all the NGOs, all the left-wing groups, to ask them why they seem to be funding communism. And the heads of the the Ford Foundation at the time said, well, our, our job is to basically change the culture, alter it so, so drastically and radically in the West that it'll blend with that of the Soviet down the road. And that's happened today. That's happened today. It's already here under the guise of liberations, freedoms for individuals and so on. You have a particular chaos and you're also seeing the masses of troops and cops to deal with that chaos on the streets. That's all part of it too, getting you ready for the next phase of it. But part of it too was explained by so many big players in the past that worked for the Royal Institute for International Affairs, like Lord Bertrand Russell, a key man who went through along with... uh, with Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO. That was, UNESCO was set up in the United Nations in order to create a common culture by indoctrination of youth, especially pushing promiscuity to stop bonding in later life. That was a must-be, and Russell and he talked about it quite a lot in their various publications. I've read a lot of it on the air from their books. And the whole idea of sexual education for pre pubertal children was really uh, uh, them helping to advocate um, uh, indulgence in sexual activity before puberty. That was part of the experimental schools that Russell ran to see if it would work so they wouldn't bond in later life. And, of course, everything that's happened today you think's just happened as happenstance, but nothing, again, is ever further from the truth. It's planned that way. You see, Plato himself said in his book, The Republic, the, the handbook, many of them mentioned, H.G. Wells said it was his most favorite uh, of all books. And Plato said that all women eventually will be, be held in common. That didn't mean they'd round them all up and keep them in some big camp and pull them out for sexual favors once in a while. It meant literally uh, you create promiscuity amongst them. And that's happened. There's many ways to, to make all women in common. And a woman who has maybe hundreds of partners for her whole life long is now held in common. You see, that's what they mean by that. So here's the outcome, as you see. We live through it. And Britain is a flagship for all, all this testing. That's why the big writers like Bertrand Russell, Julian Huxley, H.G. Uh, Wells, all these boys... Um, uh, lived in, in Britain because they knew that they'd tested this, certain things out in experimental schools before everyone else did the perfect society to try it out on. And this article here is from the Mail Online. It ties right in with this this ongoing fallout that was predictable because it was desirable from those at the top. It says, Fury at school pregnancy tests for girls under age 11 now. And age 11. 
uh, February the 5th, 2010. Girls as young as 11 are to be offered pregnancy tests at school now, you see. They will also have access to contraception, the morning after pill, and advice on sexually transmitted infections. All of the services will be confidential, meaning the teenagers, they call them teenagers, you're not a teenager when you're 11 years old. Um, parents might never be told. The scheme is being piloted in sexual health, they call it health, sexual health, just like family planning by Sanger, which is abortion. They always love to alter the terminology. Sexual health, drop-in clinics, set up in state secondary schools in rural and Liverpool, an area with above uh, average rates of teenage pregnancy. It's a pilot project for the rest of the country. This is part of a government strategy which could see sexual health clinics opening in every secondary school and college in England. The pupils would be encouraged to tell their parents off their visits to the clinics, although their consent is not required under the laws of the child that the wonderful UN put out not so long ago. Health chiefs have written to parents saying they are not obliged to inform them if their daughter has a pregnancy test or is prescribed the morning after pill. They claim that the moves will help cut the number of unplanned pregnancies. Now, when I was young, uh, this, this really was an odd, odd, odd occurrence if anything like this happened because... The, 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 you see, this stuff came out first in girls' magazines, young girls' magazines, uh, even before they brought out um, uh, the music to, to really enforce it up upon them too. And parents don't read what young girls' magazines are on about. I'm talking about children who are in junior school and so on, stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, it was backed up by the Spice Girls and all that kind of stuff where the whole idea is sex, 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 sex. You're just a, a desirable sexual object, basically. And for we've had years and years of going down the hill, right down to the awful rap stuff that's very explicit, and I won't even use the terms they use in the minimalistic language they managed to mumble, but it's all out there. And that's what the youngsters have been brought up in, watching this stuff. And so the whole thing is telling them that this is what you do. Go and do it, go and do it, go and do it. Reinforcement, psychic driving, in a sense, and they do it. But that was a, that was a that was a direction that those who plan the years, like fifty-year plans, one hundred-year plans, that's what they wanted, and they have achieved it. So, as they say here, the claim that the moves will help cut the number of unplanned pregnancies and abortions amongst teenagers, many of whom will be under sixteen, which is the legal age of consent. But critics say the move will encourage underage sex. Well, it's a bit late for that because unless you literally um, ha- pushed the whole culture industry out, out, out of its room or out of its house and kicked it into uh, some ship on the sea somewhere, uh, it's going to continue because that's their agenda. The music industry, the movie industry, doesn't just go by trends that's making money, believe you me. And because we are plastic and pliable, they could take you off in any direction, any direction at all. This is the one that was chosen because it is the, 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 the direction where people, the more partners they have, the, the very little chance they'll have of bonding ever for any length of time with any one person, and then they will not have children, you see. So it's all going to plan, and that's why it's happening. Uh, I, I remember reading, and I read it on the air too, it was just about a month before... 9-11-2001, where the international censor bureaus got together. Now, you used to think your censorship bureaus are there to safeguard your culture. No, 
because what they said was to keep a pulse on the public to see if they're ready to push the envelope to the next phase. And they all agreed at that time to push the homosexual agenda through movies and plays and comedies and so on at that particular meeting. And then articles appeared in the paper the next day where professors actually, one in Canada and one in the States, stood up and said, we've won the battle for homosexual rights. Now we have to go for intergenerational sex and bestiality. That's from your wonderful... See, everything that's out there that you think is there to... No, it's not there to safeguard you. It's to see if you're ready to, to, to accept the next part of the agenda. And they can bring you down and bring you down further. And this is where you end up with it. This is where you end up with it. And it's no surprise it was designed that way. Now, there's, there's Jason from Ohio on the line. Are you there, Jason? Hello. Hello. Oh, hey. Um, I called in a, like a couple weeks ago about uh, education, and uh, this week I was just talking to one of my English teachers, and <clears throat> she, uh, I was talking to her about a book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America by Shirley Isserby, and she said she read some excerpts. Well, I started talking to her, and uh, I was mentioning how, you know, poor schooling, you know, causes all these problems in society where, you know, kids escape to the drugs and go to alcohol, and uh, I started talking to her about that, and I noticed how, you know, you were talking about abortions, promiscuity, and, uh, you know, the whole culture industry. I was linking everything together, like, you know, financial... Uh, financial problems lead to divorce, you know, uh, mm-hmm. morals, which the schools and mass media um, also add to that, and the culture influences. And I also observed that every generation going from, you know, the generation before the baby boomers mm-hmm. down to my generation, I noticed how <clears throat> disrespectful and how immoral uh, people like me are. And uh, my, my teacher said that, Public schooling is used to help solve family problems. And what do you think about that? As you said, public schooling was there to help family problems? Well, I mean, to help, um, to, uh, help, you know, like solve family problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, there, you know, family divorces and, uh, you know, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, recently I read an article. Uh, I'll try and find it, but it's an article to do with a speech given to the National Teachers Association, and they say to them that they're part of the culture creation industry now, and they are social engineers. That's part of their job is social engineering. And basically, they, are, they have already taken over the role of parents as far... That's what Bertrand Russell said, that uh, he said, if we can do, use scientific indoctrination on this, the students, then it, the, whatever the parents tell them regarding their old, uh, antiquated morality uh, will be of no effect whatsoever. So they're, they know they're change agents. They, they know very well that they're, they're change agents. And I think that's the term that uh, Charlotte Isabri actually use, uses on the teachers, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't you know... I was in the same class, and uh, I asked this one kid if they thought that the school was dumbing him down, and he says, yeah, I think so, too. And um, I gave this one kid a, a, a book from John Taylor Gatto called Weapons of Mass Instruction, and I asked him, you know, to uh, look at that and follow the Republic, which, you know, that's a great documentary that you were in. I, you know, applied you on that. But uh, it is very wild what's going on 
with yes, it is. the educational system. I'm fighting against it, you know, giving out Fall of the Republic DVDs with a little letter on it, um, trying to create essays and theses. And, uh, well, what do you recommend? What do you recommend is, like, the best way to uh, take it down from the inside? You you have to go and try and teach the students. Uh, the teachers are too compromised. They earn a big fat paycheck. I've talked to groups of teachers in the past. They admit, uh, where else could you get 128 grand at the age of 27? Uh, and they're quite content to uh, take their cash and be social engineers, even though they know that what they're preaching is, um, is, is not what they themselves personally would choose. So they are change agents. They're, they're compromised. Personally, I think they're prostitutes. I don't think anyone can stay in any job where, where they feel compromised and their own beliefs are being um, squashed for money. I really don't believe. That's a problem with human nature, though. So go for the students because um, uh, their minds are more open uh, and uh, they haven't been completely contaminated, not completely contaminated with indoctrination of God although they already have that from even t- cartoons. Someone sent me a series of cartoons, I think it was Captain Planet, a whole series of them, and it starts off Captain Planet's after all the big uh, contractors that are cutting trees down, uh, the guys who are drilling for oil across the world, is uh, save the planet, save the planet, all through it, big money, indoctrinating children before they even get to school. Uh, and uh, it, it's here's an art. Here's what Brzezinski said about this. He knows he's one of the players for this new culture. He says television gives a younger viewer a first glimpse of the outside world. It first defines and does so compellingly by combining the visual and audio impact, the meaning of the good life. It's wherever he says it is the good life. It sets the standard. It sets the standard of what is to be considered achievement, fulfillment. Good taste, and good taste can be utter promiscuity, and proper conduct. It conditions desires, defi- you better believe that, it defines aspirations and expectations and draws the line between acceptable and unacceptable behavior. Remember, it's all reversed as he's talking about this. Uh, with audiences around the world increasingly glued to the television set, there is nothing comparable either in the area of enforced religious orthodoxy or even at the high point of totalitarian indoctrination to the cultural and philosophical conditioning that television exercises on its viewers. And believe you me, he's one of the boys that uses it to its maximum. So he knows this. Yeah, one of my friends, uh, me and him, me and this one kid were debating about the education system. And and I was telling him, you know, uh, was George Washington, David Farragut, they didn't have, uh, you know, very much schooling. They did mentoring and everything, but he was debating, saying, oh well, all these people are stupid, you know, if they don't go to school. And and uh, I mean, he, he doesn't notice because I mean, he, he plays a lot of Call of Duty for the uh, new Modern Warfare game that came out, and he's saying, well, all these people are stupid. If you don't go to school, you become stupid and complacent and you're dumb and yeah. and I was like no that's not true you know I, I, I mean I, I heard from somebody that you can learn things on your own this kid will learn calculus when he was 15 
Yes, and you can, you can, absolutely. Most schooling now is social indoctrination into utter globalism, interdependence. Um, you don't think so much about your country. You're on about c- countries that you'll perhaps never even get to see or visit that this seems so far and removed from you, but we're supposed to be concerned about everyone else across the world, even though we have no input on what's happening there and probably never will have. Yeah. But, uh, but keep trying on. And as I say, go for the students. It's the best way to teach is, is through them and show them evidence and never use your own stuff. They'll come at you. The teachers will come at you. Use a documented evidence if you're handing it out. But thanks for calling. And then we'll go to Sean from Utah. Are you there, Sean? Hi, Alan. Yes. Good to speak with you again. Um, I just had a little story to share. I was listening to one of these morning comedy shows, drive-to-work shows, and they were talking about the five-day-after pill on the line of abortion you were talking about, mm-hmm. where you can... Instead of the morning after pill, you can take a pill for five days after. And mm-hmm. the uh, conversation went to one of the guys said, "Well, why can't they just give uh, young people a pill that will suppress the hormones?" Mm-hmm. And the guy actually made a really good point, but it was in a comedic setting. So I don't think anybody would have caught on to that, but I just thought I'd share that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and actually they have been doing it too because young men now, and I've, I've talked to some of them, they're losing their sexual interest by the time they're 25 and 30. So you see that they're already... Uh, I've read articles even recently in the last week, not just the bisphenol A and so on, but there was one I read the other night there where they were putting uh, actually stolbisterol in the food supply. And that was from a, a government uh, or a high source as well. It wasn't some guesswork from some conspiracy nut. It was actually, they, they actually admit they've been doing that. Yeah. yeah, I just, I was really blown away by it because that's not part of the agenda is to yes. do something like that. Sure it is. It's all there if you want it, but you just can't do it because you're, you're, you're still beastful. Thanks for calling. Back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the Matrix. Now there's also John from Miami. Are you there, John? Yes, Alan. Good evening. Yes. Um, I had an observation. I saw that on your on your web, uh, some of the articles that you wrote yesterday, one of them was on the Council on Foreign Relations on yes. uh, the International Advisory Board, mm-hmm. and that you used an example. You showed an example of a guy, I think, named was Saeed Barber. Yeah. Um, one of the things I saw on, also on the advisory board was a guy named Gustav Cisneros. He's from Venezuela. And an interesting thing about it, as an example for what you said, how he's the leader of supposedly the opposition in, in uh, Venezuela. And yep. him and Hugo Chavez, which Hugo Chavez is not the greatest person in the world either, but he shows, they show you how the two, how these two people, they hate each other, but they're basically working towards the same, towards the same goal. That's right. That's and right. I thought that was interesting because they're both, he's the leader of the opposition, and, and, and what's his name? Chavez, uh, um, he's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's a dialectic process for change. You got to get change here. You have two parties uh, pushing and pushing, and then you have the compromise that comes out of the two of them, and that's your new thesis, and that's exactly how you're right on. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. 
but that was it. That was the only thing, the observation. All right, thanks. Thanks for calling. And there's Cherie from Texas. You're there, Cherie. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Not so bad. I'd like to share a quick story with you. Um, it's good to speak to you again. I, I wanted to talk to you. I have a friend, and this is just, it just boggles my mind, but at the same time, I understand how perfect mind control is, so I know that's what's going on here. And this is a friend of mine. She's a 30-year-old single mother. All of a sudden, she decided she wants to join the military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am just, you know, I'm really trying to talk her out of it. And she has her mind made up. She thinks it's, it's made up. the way, yeah. you know, to start over for a second chance. And she sees, you know, all the, the bells and whistles the recruiters are giving her, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, after several people urging her, well, why don't you check out the Air Force, something... You know, maybe a little less harsh. She, you know, they told her she's too old, and the Navy, she has to be in for eight years. So, I, you know, to me, that would just be like, hello, maybe I'm a 30-year-old woman. Maybe I shouldn't be joining right now in the middle of the war. You know, something could better right. off. And then I come at her, you know, well, what about the vaccinations that they give you? And mm-hmm. she understands, you know, there's corruption in, in the medical industry. I've had a lot of um, uh, women who are in the U.S. military come back and write to me, and they've all, they all have um, fertility problems now with all the inoculations that were given. They're also given special pills every morning. They didn't know what they were, but they were forced to take them, and the sergeants made sure they did actually swallow them. And they, they've all had incredible problems, um, uterine problems, ovarian problems, and they're only young women in about 25, 26, and so on. Uh, amazing. Yes, and I, you know, I just, I keep telling her, hitting her with all different things. You know, well, what about Henry Kissinger and Kiss the Boys Goodbye? You know. Kissinger actually said, remember, I'd quote this to her. Kissinger said in his own book that the American military are dumb, stupid animals to be used for foreign policy. Yes, yes. And I told her that exactly. And she's like, yeah, yeah, but, you know, she just doesn't want to accept what reality is. And, it's just, this is a girl who five years ago, you know, she would have never thought mm-hmm. to go to the military at all. But. Well, t- tell her that, that there's nothing, there's nothing about it that um, is anything like what's portrayed in the movies and so on. Uh, and uh, it's a very dangerous occupation, especially when you're fighting for uh, geopolitical agendas which you're never told about. You will not profit personally by it. But thanks for calling, though. Uh, from myself in Hamish, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.